Hello and welcome to the Spidey Dude Radio Network. I'm Zach Joyner, owner of the website that powers the podcast and executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Spectacular Spider-Man Sal Buscema Era Podcast, a podcast all about Sal's run on the Spectacular Spider-Man. Before I turn it over to our host, Chris, I wanted to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. They help sponsor the show. Greg, Vinkman, Scott, Kaylee, and Phoenician, thank you all for your support. And if you want to get some more info, check it out at that aforementioned website at patreon.com slash network to get more perks, like getting some shows early. And we'll have more coming very, very soon. They'll get some exclusives very soon. Stay tuned for that. Finally, before I go, I want to encourage you to check out our other fine programs, Spidude Experience, ASM Classics, Make Mine Mayday, Bogan Rider Variety Hour, Clone Saga Chronicles, Spectacular Radio, and Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast. Be sure to leave feedback on the respective feeds, give us a five-star review, and leave feedback at the email address at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this exciting episode of the show, and now, here's Chris. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Hi. Hi. Were you listening in? Yeah. So we're going to do yeah. the Spectacular Spider-Man issues 134, 35, 36. As I said previously, we are only going to do one issue per episode, but I wanted to kick the podcast off immediately with big story arcs to kind of get going. Previously, we did the Sinister storyline. We're going to do the return of the Sinister storyline. And I believe Leo has the plot synopsis for us. I do. Okay, so uh, we're going to be talking about Spectacular Spider-Man Sin Eater released, spanning from issue 134 through 136, as Chris said. Found in a trade, The Murder of Gene DeWolf. It can be easily found via trade paperback on Amazon. I got a link down below. Uh, the link does uh, support the network via Amazon Associates, and uh, it does cover the full storyline. So it covers the issues from last week and the ones we were talking about this week as well uh so it's written by peter david and with the art by the awesome sal basima uh peter david is known for his award-winning 12-year run on the incredible hulk penciled by rich buckler better known for his work on fantastic four and creating the character deathlock uh inked by uh actually i think i have the wrong information oh, for it's it. inked by vince coletta uh lettering by rick parker bob sharon colorist uh jim Sharp. Editor and Tom DeFalco as editor in chief. Yes. Okay. So I think you got the uh, credits from the Senator storyline. Yep. 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 That's what I did. <laughs> okay. uh, this is the last story that Peter David will write because this is where he gets fired because they're like, you're too high profile to write comic books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the storyline, informally known as Return of the Sin Eater, explores the origin of the Sin Eater and his attempted rehabilitation. Set approximately one year after the death of Gene DeWolf, the sequel reveals after his arrest, Carter was put in psychological and medical care. S.H.I.E.L.D. purged all the drugs from his system, but Carter still had visions of the Sin Eater persona, as well as being unable to walk or talk properly. After his release, Carter Carter has trouble readjusting to society and is haunted by visions of the Sin Eater, as well as having to deal with continuing public outrage over his crimes, finally succumbing to his madness. Carter puts on a Sin Eater costume, takes an unloaded gun, 
and goads the police into opening fire on him. Peter David described a conclusion of the storyline as dramatic, tragic, and perhaps merciful ending of Stan Carter. Um, also, just some uh, interesting Spider-related news just before we begin. Yeah. Uh, it was just announced uh, across the boards that uh, Venom number 200, the end of the uh, current King and Black Null, you know, symbiote God storyline, Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman are leaving the title. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So big uh, Spider-Man news just kind of broke uh, just before the podcast started. Wow. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So uh, Leo did a very quick plot synopsis for these three issues. But like I said, in the future, we'll be doing one 22-page comic book unless there's something that we have to do with it to keep the pace down for the episode. In the first first issue's cover, we have the Sin Eater, a guy in shadow, and Spider-Man kind of badly burnt, which is revealed, of course, to be Electro on the second page. uh, Sorry, the second issue... Electro is on the cover trying to fry Spider-Man being like, I did it. I've beaten Spider-Man because I'm such a loser character. <laughs> and then the third issue has the Sin Eater holding a gun to a child, which we will get into that at the end of the second issue's uh, run through. Uh, real quick, want to point out, Electro never appears in his costume in the second issue. He appears in his costume in the third issue, but for some reason they drew him on the cover in his costume on the second issue because, well, his costume is recognizable and nobody knows who he is in his civvies. Yeah, and you gotta sell comics, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you gotta sell comic books. Um... They are still, by the way, doing in the upper left-hand corner of the box the half Spider-Man, half Peter Parker, because the title had just changed to just the Spectacular Spider-Man. They just dropped the Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, which had been on the title head for years. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Beginning of the issue, we have Sin Eater talking to himself. Now, when I read this as a child, I had no idea what the heck was going on with the guy talking to himself in the ski mask. And, like, the psychiatrist outside and his uh, trying to talk about, like, you know, how stands Carter is this, uh, you know, uh, a victim of this drug experiment done by S.H.I.E.L.D. as they call a spy outfit. Now, at the time, S.H.I.E.L.D. was still a secret spy organization. It was only known to the superhero community, but the public at large really didn't have a lot of knowledge of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's why they call it what it is in the book. Um, they do go over the death of Sin Eater's victims, and Sin Eater is let go to go home because of temporary insanity due to the drugs. Now, this brings up a great question of, should we let criminals who murdered three people go due to temporary insanity? Well, even that, just, uh, you know, one year after the events, you know, that's, you know... <sighs> Not a lot of time. No. Yeah, not a lot of time. We switch over, of course, to uh, Mary Jane uh, setting up a camera to take some sexy photos for Peter because she thinks Peter needs to get out of the taking pictures of himself as Spider-Man business and get into taking sexy pictures of his wife business. (laughs) 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 Which uh, is one of my favorite moments ever for the couple uh, is Peter is crawling on the walls and she says these pictures are going to drive him right up the wall. And without her looking, Peter snatches her up for some serious... uh, uh, sexy makeout time that you would never see in a Disney comic book today. No, nope. <laughs> you might see Mary Jane in a bikini because she did. She was in her own series. She is a model, so she does have modeling photos appear in Marvel comics sometimes. But this type of sex has been very toned down in Marvel comic books. Well, uh, this is also Why? because Disney is prudes, and we can still show the Punisher shooting people, but we can't show a couple having sex. <laughs> so, so, uh, oops, sorry. Go ahead, Rich. 
No, I just said no boobies. <laughs> no boobies. Um, then we switch over to Max Dillon, who's moping about, oh, my life sucks because every time I put on a costume, I'm a crappy written villain, and all I have is electricity electricity powers. And that's when Peter and Mary Jane are passing by, I guess, in the other direction or somewhere else in the city, and he sees the news headline about the Sin Eater crushing a pipe, scaring Mary Jane that this guy is actually getting to Peter, despite all the villains that she's aware of him having fought. And just keep in mind, he's still in the black and white thread costume because this these three issues and the next one take place leading up to the first appearance of Venom. So Venom has not broken into him and Mary Jane's apart her Peter and Mary Jane's apartment yet and terrified him. Uh, when then we when that happens, we get we'll we'll get there. But throughout the three issues, there's talk of Peter and Mary Jane moving, uh, and that is happening in the other Spider-Man titles because Mary Jane is becoming a huge um, soap opera star uh, and 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 supermodel that her and Peter. She doesn't want to live in Peter's crappy apartment anymore that he's been living in forever. In fact, over in A Web of Spider-Man, we actually get to see the going away party of the tenants in Peter's apartment that have been characters in his books for a number of years, giving him and Mary Jane a going away party from the building, including Mrs. Uh, Muggles, who was his nasty, crotchety old landlord he was always late with the rent with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They move into, like, the greatest penthouse, gorgeous-looking apartment in New York in uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 300 eventually. Um, Let's not bring up issue 300. <laughs> we, we, we're going to have to because there's a, there's a jarring transition of the costumes from one issue to the next. Oh, I, 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 I know. It's just it's still painful. Cause, uh... So Peter decides to go and investigate uh, Stan Carter and finds out he has a goddamn PR man and Stan's like, hi, Spider-Man. Oh, let me get, get, get you some coffee. And Spider-Man's, geez, Carter, who did this to you? Did this happen in prison? And he's like, no, you did. You broke, uh, what, did he, what does he say? He says, you broke my clavicle, my jaw, my inner ear. I'm a wreck, but I deserved it. Do you want some coffee? And Spider-Man flips out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what he, he says, no, keep away from me, and leaps out the window. <laughs> and the senior's ghost is right there, being like, ha, 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 what a loser! And Stan's like, no, he's not the monster! You are! Oh my god! The people I killed! <laughs> <laughs> I've never met anybody who's murdered somebody in cold blood. I've met soldiers who that was part of their job, and police officers, as that is part of their job sometimes, unfortunately, in self-defense. But I've never met anyone who has viciously killed somebody before. I have read documentaries and watched documentaries, and I'm currently watching Nightcrawler right now on Netflix, which is amazing. But um, I think Peter David, just because he's an amazing writer, and I've met Peter David. I met Peter David at That's Entertainment years ago. He signed uh, you know, some Hulk books for me. Um, really captures what it's like to be a guy who murdered somebody, you know, and the PTSD that uh, affects them behind it. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man gets into a fight with Electro and Electro kicks his ass because he pulls his punches after what happened to Stan Carter and learning how aggressive he can become with his powers. He decides to give, you know, Electro what he calls a love tap and he gets his ass handed to him in front of everybody. Well, also, and, and I don't know if this is canon or not. He says he sucks in all the static electricity. So he believes that's how Spider-Man clings to the walls. But ha- is that canon? Is that 
That's as much canon as like Superman being able to fly someone within their in in his arms with them, and the aura of Superman protects them from like getting their skull, their flesh ripped off their skull while he's flying through the air. (laughs) I mean, seriously, I know he probably flies at a very small, steady pace for Lois to fly with him. You know, when they're flying to the fortress to have a romantic dinner or something, um, or wherever he flies with people. But again, that's as much in canon as like the microscopic itty bitty tiny hairs on his hands are actually what's making him crawl. Oh, like in the movie. Yeah. Yep. Like in the movie, which a lot of people thought was the Spider-Man 2099 power. But it's like, no, those are talons coming out of uh, Miguel O'Hara's fingers to rip the flesh off of somebody. What they were, sh- what Stan, uh, Sam Raimi was showing us in the Spider-Man movie was that spiders have on their legs itty bitty tiny microscopic little hairs that allow them to you know grip up the walls a lot of bugs have this because it's not just i mean if you know the origin of spider-man it wasn't a spider that stan lee was looking at it was a fly but fly man sounded dumb (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit also there was a character called the fly created by archie comics so that might have been another reason why he decided not to call spider-man the fly um, in the second issue, uh, Stanley, Stanley, Stan, and uh, Stan, Stan is the one. Stan Carter shows up with a toy gun against the crowd, and Spider-Man's like, "You are not helping, man." Showing up here, everyone knows you're the freaking Sin Eater released from prison, and you got a toy gun pointed at them. And Stan's just trying to save Spider-Man's life from being beaten up by this crowd, who's just like, "Oh yeah, it's Spider-Man, let's get him!" Because we all gonna beat down on Spider-Man. And I love how there's one woman who's like, "You didn't do anything. Why are you gonna beat up on Spider-Man?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good that there's, you know, at least one sensible voice in the crowd. But obviously, uh, J. Jonah Jameson got to the uh, the heads of everybody else. Because Spider-Man's Spider-Man a menace. Back up what was that? Because Spider-Man's a menace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get there in the next issue, by the way, the front page of the uh, of the Daily Bugle. Uh, we, we have a great article. Uh, Peter returns to his apartment, and Mary Jane points out he looks like a burnt-up lobster. Carter gets out of jail uh, because his PR person shows up saying, book my client or let him go. And Spider-Man starts having all sorts of nightmares about the Sin Eater and Electro. Stan tries to get a job, can't get a job. He ends up tr- uh, taking his PR agent's offer up on appearing on TV. And while he's appearing on TV, there seems to be a model show happening prior to or after the Senator interview because Mary Jane is there. And Electro's watching the TV and saying, hey, maybe I can go down to the TV station and pick up on that girl while Spider-Man swings in from the audience to lay in the stand once again. And Mary Jane's like, Jesus Christ, Peter, you are not helping yourself. Uh, just uh, real quick, Angela Deacon, I'm off. It's almost 2 a.m. Thanks for a great show as usual. She's over in the UK. Thanks for watching, Angela. And uh, Steve uh, Bueller has been making some good comments in the chat room as well. Uh, I just wanted to also make a note that uh, who is the the host of the show? Who's uh, Regis? Is it Regis? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. The late great Regis Philbin. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they were. I mean, obviously it's Regis Philbin, but it's they don't say his last name. Uh, But Regis is dead, right? Yes. Yeah. Electro decides to pick a fight with Spider-Man, but Spider-Man's about to punch him, and Electro's like, you're a wimp, spits at him with his electric spittle, sizzles on the floor, and walks away in laughter, knowing he humiliated Spider-Man on national TV, and that's a good enough defeat for him. 
Uh, Bill, that's a new one. If you look at the uh, spectacular Spider-Man, the upcoming next issue, Spider-Man versus Electro, Stan Carter versus Sin Eater to the finish, need we say more? The caption says, buy this next issue or I'll shoot this kid. It's on the letters page, uh, Leo, which you probably don't have. No, this is from the uh, trade paperback. Uh, okay, yeah. So yeah. there is a uh, image of the next issue and Stan uh, Sin Eater is saying, buy the next issue or I'll shoot this kid. <laughs> you would never get away with that in a comic book today oh no well you not get... with all the gun violence not with all the school shootings <clears throat> which yes thank god everyone can you know say one good thing about 2020 the number of mass shootings was down to i, I don't know what the number was but it was significantly incre- decreased yeah. so there's some good stuff about 2020 right there right. we'll take it we'll take it uh, we can't stop a virus, but we can stop gun violence a little bit with a with a pandemic. So let, let's look at something bright. So right on the front page, as uh, you have it up on the still story, Leo, for anyone listening to this as a podcast, uh, it's the first page of the third and final part of our story. It says, Spider-Man Coward, and it's dated Tuesday, December 15th, 1987. So 10 days till Christmas. Um uh, 30 cents for a copy of the Daily Bugle, which I remember at a time newspapers in 1987 were actually 20 cents. So maybe this is a special edition because it's J. Jonah Jameson and he's a, uh, you know, a skinflint for money and going to milk every dime he can. Yeah, I, I take that. Uh, take that excuse. <laughs> they actually wrote a cohesive uh, article in here that you can read. Viewers of the local morning show on WABC TV were shocked yesterday by the unexpected appearance of Spider-Man and his subsequent inaction against a direct challenge from the criminal known as Electro. Electro's taunting challenge came mere days after his early defeat. Spider-Man, Max Dillon, had robbed a jewelry store. And then there's another article that says, I knew it all the time, an editorial by J. Jonah Jameson, see page 36. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone who's a current fan of Spider-Man, J. Jonah Jameson in the uh, Spider-Man video games and currently in the comic books runs a podcast uh, radio station. And uh, in the comic books, he actually knows Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Oh, that's current? Yes, that is current. In fact, he knows that Spider-Man is Peter Parker, and it's come back to bite him in the ass only one time when he got kidnapped by the Crimson Goblin, the Carnage slash Green Goblin Norman Osborn, and Norman tortured it out of him, the identity of Spider-Man, and he gave it up. Hmm. How did he find it out? How did who find it out? How did J. Jonah Jameson find it out? Peter told him. Just for no reason? No, you got to go read the uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. All right. It happened in Spectacular Spider-Man uh, volume uh, volume three. Volume three. So, and that story that that story is still ongoing as of right now. Jameson does know Peter is Spider-Man. In fact, he writes pro editorial sp- uh, about Spider-Man now. He he's like in Spider-Man's corner to a degree. He continues to criticize Spider-Man, but always trying to give him good advice, saying Spider-Man never listens to my advice. He should listen to my advice. My advice is great. By the way, once upon a time, Peter and Jameson were uh, related because Jameson's father married Aunt May. Wow. That happened in Amazing Spider-Man number 600. J. Jonah Jameson Sr. has since been killed off. So Aunt May is the worst person to marry or date in the Marvel Universe because Uncle Ben was shot. uh, Nathan Lubinsky was killed by the Vulture. And uh, J. Jonah Jameson Sr. uh, died due to uh, Ben Riley's spider clone jackal nonsense. It's very confusing. <laughs> so never ever date Aunt May. <laughs> 
and by the way, in the spectacular Spider-Man annuals, it was revealed she was once engaged to a mobster. <laughs> really? And she dated Otto Octavius for a while. Oh, yeah. She dated Otto Octavius for like one time, and they almost got married. <laughs> it wasn't like for a while. It was like it was like a quick little like I need the uh, power plant that you've inherited, so let's get married. <laughs> uh, um, Turning over into the issue real quick, just to get through it real fast, Spider-Man and Mary Jane are packing up their apartment. As I mentioned before, they're going to move into a luxury uh, penthouse because Mary Jane is a super-duper model and an actress on a high-profile soap opera. Um, Secret Hospital, I think, is the name of the soap opera she's going to become uh, a big character on, which she has once in a while returned to, kind of like every other soap opera. You know, characters come in and out of it. Um, I don't know the age of Mary Jane at the time of this comic book. I gotta assume currently she's about 25 in the comic books, just like Spider-Man is revealed to have been 25 recently. So go figure how old they are here. They have just gotten married, by the way. This is right after Spider-Man crawled his way out of a grave that he was put into by Craven the Hunter. So Spider-Man and Mary Jane have been married for possibly about a few months. <laughs> You gotta love the scene right here that Stan is talking to the Sin Eater and going over his life story by candlelight with that tape recorder and the Sin Eater is holding the dead body of Gene D. Wolf and the absolute amazing artwork by Sal like, no! And he throws the tape recorder. Just makes me love this entire run so much because that type of drama is drama uh, storytelling and artwork really captivates the hell out of me. And we see a lot of that here. Yeah, even the look on uh, Gene Wolfe's face with the just the blank white eyes and the mouth. Yeah, just, and uh, she was in the, uh, the 90 that she was to be killed in. Now, the Sin Eater recently came back in the comic books due to Harry Osborn, a.k.a. Kindred. And he came back with like a magic gun, and he basically was cleansing people of their sins. And he cleansed uh, and absorbing their powers as well. And he did this to the Juggernaut. He became the Juggernaut Sin Eater. And Morloon, who is the uh, energy-sucking vampire that Spider-Man fights once in a while, part of the Spider-Verse storyline in the comics. And he recently cleansed the sins of Norman Osborn. And Norman Osborn is now, I guess, a good guy, but he's still kind of a jackass. <laughs> so uh, is it Stan that came back, or is it just uh, the Sin Eater... Like the senator is a figment of his imagination. Okay, but... he's crazy. And at the end of the storyline, he thinks he's trying to kill the senator the only way possible by having the police kill him. It's the only way to make the ghost of the senator actually truly dead. Is he, while Spider-Man is fighting Electro and finally getting you know a, the comeuppance on Electro, Stan decides to go out there and take a kid hostage with an unloaded gun and allow the police to murder him in order to finally put the senator to rest. How However, because he's a murderer, he goes to hell. And while he's in hell at some point in the next, you know, whatever many years between 1987 and 2020, uh, Harry Osborn died, went to hell, came back as the demon kindred and brought Sinead, uh back up from hell with him. Gotcha. And Which I is a long, long effing story. I'm not going to get into <laughs> We'll get to the death of Harry Osborn in issue 200 when we get there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, I just wanted to bring up, uh, and I found this fascinating, was, uh, and, and, you know, just a look back of the 80s. Um, Mary Jane references Rocky Three, and that's her advice to Peter to to get back into his groove. Like, you know, he, he's, he's lost his, you know, his... Um, his mojo you know <laughs> yeah he, uh, he got humiliated by electro yeah. twice 
And, you know, with uh, she references Rocky Three, saying, you know, you should take some licks and then let your instincts kick in. Um, it's, it's, a tragic, it's a tragic end. It's a tragic end to Stan because Spider-Man gets that giant pow and knocks Electro out, which is fantastic. But at the same time, Electro, uh, the Sin Eater is just gunned down. And that's it. That is the end of Stan Carter until a storyline in Venom, which uh, called Sinners Take All, which was the first appearance of the uh, She-Venom uh, we saw in the Venom movie. But that's a whole story for another time. Um, wait, wait, there was a She-Venom in the Venom movie? Did you see Venom, the movie? I, I blocked out some of it. <laughs> okay, don't worry about it. We won't cover it again because it will never come up during the time that we're covering this podcast. Uh, but now, uh, now I need to rewatch it. <laughs> It says, next, don't miss the pulsating return of one of Spider-Man's deadliest foes, the Tarantula. And we'll get into who the Tarantula is. And actually, the Tarantula was on the cover of Spectacular Spider-Man number one, um, the original Tarantula. This is Tarantula 2. And we'll get into that uh, next in the next podcast. But what did you guys think of the return of the Sin Eater and the beginning of Sal's tenure on the, on the title? Well, uh, Death by Cop, man, that's, that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty dark. That is very dark, considering uh, the uh, death by police today is constantly in the news, you know, and will be in the news again at some point. We got the election happening, you know, the inauguration happening right now, but I guarantee we're going to have another story of cops. But the cops in this story are justified to kill the senator. He has a gun trained on a kid. They don't know it's loaded. And once the kid's gone and the senator looks like he's about to shoot the police, the police gun him down. Of course, the the guy leading it, the hippie cop, um and man they couldn't draw more of a hippie looking cop if they tried right (laughs) (laughs) he looked like something from a bad 70s cop show yeah but that you know that was definitely the hairstyle of the 80s the the long hair you know i i admit i have i have a friend on the police force in uh in massachusetts a very a very good cop a very good man he's been on one of my podcasts before and we went over all the typical cop you know uh tropes from a from a tv show that we were covering and he broke down how it doesn't work whatsoever and then you know talked about what does work and what is real (laughs) (laughs) well yeah he's sporting the long hair and then you have the uh the long mustache that goes down the sides and uh that's <laughs> just so ridiculous. <laughs> I, 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 I've I've met a few detectives, and I've I've seen most cops today. Um, they they have to keep a very military style to their hair, men and women. <laughs> uh, uh, what other what other thoughts did you have, Rich? Um, and then don't they say at the end he says, uh, "Oh, but um, it, uh, I, I'm sorry. What the the agent's what is the agent's name? Alex, the cop." No, the the agent, the, the guy who is the sin eater. What is, what oh, is his uh, name? Stan. Stan Carter. Stan, right? Stan Carter. Where St- they go? Oh well, uh, Stan Carter finally, uh, you know, he because the the gun wasn't loaded, so he says, "I finally got him." You know, one over on the sin eater, something to that effect. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he says, uh, "I've won. Sin eater's dead. Now I can live." I do love the fact that the covers have the part one, two, and three in different colors right below the Spider-Man title in the exact same position per issue. That's pretty nice. Little details like that are pretty cool. And I love this era of comic books where it wasn't like a movie poster for every effing cover didn't need to be like a piece of artwork to frame. They, they, they broke, you know, the third wall with like spider, like the Sin Eater addressing the audience in a way. 
or he's addressing Spider-Man who's looking at him. You know, they they did that a lot until the 2000s where like and then every cover was like this gawky image of Spider-Man doing something that wasn't unrelated to the actual book itself. Uh, they've sometimes gone back to that. And yes, the covers do reflect what's going on in the comic book. But I've always appreciated comic books having covers that are actually about what's going on in the issue. I understand that variant covers are big deals these days. Like they're going to have like, you know, uh, a Mary Jane month. So every freaking Marvel comic book title will have Mary Jane on the cover, even if she has nothing to do with the characters within it. That's fine if that's what you want to collect. But I appreciate when the cover has something to do with the actual story. And this era of Spider-Man up until the, you know, right around 9-11, let's just say, uh, the covers uh, had something to do with the interior of the comic book. I have a nitpick though, because on 136, uh, he didn't use a spider signal in the in the no, issue. No, he didn't. You're right. In fact, the black costume didn't have a spider signal. I think yeah. <laughs> the black scary spider. cover, scary scary cover though. Definitely, right. absolutely, it's uh, definitely right up there. Um, just as a quick time capsule, and this will be a lot, this will be a little rushed, but it'll be easier with one singular issue. We'll go through some of the quick ads in here, like the M&M Quartz Watch ad. You could order a Quartz Watch from M&M. I thought that was pretty funny. Also in the, in the issue, uh, Marvel did these bullpen bulletins and it would take forever to read through them. But they also have a checklist and a spotlight on somebody that currently works on Marvel. And this happens to be a woman that works at Marvel in the first issue, the one that's up here right now. Anne Nascenti, she's the editor on X-Men, New Mutants, and Classic X-Men. I'm unaware of who this person is, but I hope she's still around in the comic book industry today. I've heard the name, but... Uh... And also unusual to see a woman as an editor at Marvel. I mean, the yeah. Marvel and DC at the time were pretty heavily, you know, male. Uh, there was very few women working in comics, as there still are today, but a lot less so. Uh, what, do you, what issue are you looking at? The one that you have up right now. 134. I'm going to try to bring up the individual issue to see if I get the... Um... Uh, other comic books that were actually being published around this time, Web of Spider-Man number 36, West Coast Avengers number 30, Daredevil number 252, Captain America 339, Amazing Spider-Man 298. That's part one of the three-part... Um, that Spider-Man story is really cool. That crossed over all the different books. Uh Leo has up on the Facebook page right now the live video. If you're listening to this as a podcast, you can't really see it, but it's the I Am the Spider storyline. It's where Peter is uh, investigating somebody that was wrongfully imprisoned in an insane asylum, and he goes undercover and gets captured himself and starts ranting that he is Spider-Man, so they lock him up. Mm. Uh, Bad Dog Ward storyline would actually come back in the Adjective Less Spider-Man book. Um, but uh, what other book was out being published? Oh, so as I was saying, Amazing Spider-Man number 298, that's the beginning of the Chance storyline and the beginning uh, introduction of Venom. Oh, okay. So uh, every page at the end of the issue would have Venom appear. So Venom would show up in little pieces and then, you know, the big, you know, full page spread, Mary Jane comes home and sees Peter standing in the darkness. And she's like, Peter, why are you breathing so heavy? And this mouth forms out of the blackness with the tongue and the teeth. And all he says is, hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> uh, which issue was that again? 299. Oh, okay. Two, nine, yep. And then Peter comes home in issue 300. 
and Mary Jane is crying in the corner and she's screaming to get away and he takes off his mask. He's like, it's me, honey, it's Peter. And she's like, oh my God, Peter, it was you, but it wasn't you. He was huge and he had a costume with a mouth and I don't understand. Can we please not stay here tonight? And they go to a hotel and that's when Peter realizes it's got to be the black costume. Somebody found it. Um, and then at the end of the issue, she's like, I need you to do me a huge favor. This is all over. And I'm glad the Fantastic Four have Venom and Captured, but you have got to take that costume off and swear to me, you will never wear that costume ever again. And he's like, okay, sure. I love you, honey. But it's going to be kind of funny flying around on Spider-Man in my underoos. And she's like, well, I found this. And it's his costume he bought at a German uh, costume shop in Spider-Man versus Wolverine. And she altered it slightly to fit him a little better. And he goes swinging out as Spider-Man in the red and blues again. Oh, nice. The reason I'm wearing the black costume, by the way, in a lot of these issues is he was in a bomb and his red and blue, his last red and blue costume got blown the hell up and the black cat sewed all his costumes for him and they were all the black and white costume because she liked him in the black and white. So that's why all his costumes are black and white because he was dating Felicia Hardy at the time and she likes her spider in the black and white. Uh, what were you guys- Would you ever play the... Uh, out of the shadows spider-man video game where like there's a symbiote invasion and it guest stars like luke cage and wolverine you have two different choices you can make in that you can embrace the symbiote and go off and bang um let mary jane die and go off and bang the black cat and basically become venom or you can reject the symbiote and uh stop the invasion and and save mary jane (laughs) which game was that spider-man uh out of the shadows or something like that What, what system was that for uh, every major console. No, I mean, like, what era? Like, PS2, oh, uh, PS3? The PS3, Xbox 360. Okay. And it was okay. And by that, I mean the voice actor who played Spider-Man was one of the worst voice actors to voice Spider-Man ever. Uh, but the idea behind it, that you could make this choice and embrace the symbiote and let your wife die to go off with the black yeah, cat. that's messed up. <laughs> that is messed up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, just wanted to go over a couple of the other uh, really interesting uh, ads in here. We also had uh, Dragonlance if anyone ever remembers that game. Oh, yeah. And for Marvel superheroes um, role-playing games, Nightmares of Future Past and Marvel superheroes Advanced Set. Now, was that Dragonlance the PC game or the actual uh, D&D game? The actual D&D game. Okay. Um, And then there was also an ad in here for Captain Power and the Soldiers of Fortune. If you remember that, it was a toy you pointed at the screen and then it used that light technology like the Zapper from Nintendo would use. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Okay. And then you could also, by the way, get a, how about this? How about a nine issue subscription to your favorite Marvel comic book for $5? How many comic books get you for $5 today? One. (laughs) No, not even one sometimes. (laughs) Oh my God. I swear to God, we're going to come to a time, and there's many more ads in these issues, people, but we're crammed for time and we'll go over them a little bit more in detail in the next uh, podcast where we're covering one single issue at a time. But uh, this really brings me back to when I started getting into comic books. I was about seven or eight years old. I was in a Walden Books, if you remember those, the bookstores inside the mall. Um, And uh, there was one in Wonder Woman, by the way. Wonder Woman 84 had a Walden Books in the background. Uh, and there were two comic books I bought, and they were the first two comic books I ever actually bought with money. I had a comic book given to me. It was an issue of Amazing Spider-Man with Hammerhead and Doc Ock in it. But the two comic books I first bought ever in my life was an issue of ALF. <laughs> 
and uh, an issue of Transformers, which had Fortress Maximus fighting Scorpinox on the cover. And I was only familiar with the cartoon at the time, so I had no idea what was going on in that comic book. (laughs) They had a lot of concepts in that Transformer book that if you were only a fan of the cartoon and you picked up a random issue, you were like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah, some of those old... uh... Old Transformers comics were uh, kind of messed up. I mean, sometimes you had the Transformers with teeth, and Galvatron like bit into a robot's arm and ripped the wiring out of somebody once. <laughs> Vicious. It was insanely violent, but they were robots, so who the frick cared? I mean, there was an issue where Ratchet and Megatron were blown up, and several issues later they came back as this Amaglam monster mash. And Optimus Prime was, like, told by his troops, you have got to kill that thing. And Optimus is like, no, it's Ratchet. He's like one of my oldest friends. And Cup hands him a blaster and says, you have, you're the only one who can do it, Optimus. You have to put that monster down. And Optimus holds the gun to his head. And, and, and he's like, I can't do it. And Ratchet just picks the gun up out of his hand, shaking, like, kill me. Kill me. <laughs> So um, one thing that's a little disappointing is the issues I have, they do not have the ads. Oh, that's fine. I mean, yeah. we will... Well, uh, it's just really like a time capsule look at the time period to see what's going on. You know, like there's a Nintendo ad in here as well. So, you know, it's, that tells you what the Nintendo Entertainment System, by the way, um, ads for uh, Konami games such as uh, Russian Attack, Castlevania, Top Gun, Double Dribble, and The Goonies 2, which was never a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good game, though. The Goonies 2 video game is very good, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, there's also a great ad in here I want to point out for the new universe. Does anyone remember that piece of crap at Marvel's attempt? No. Barely. Okay, so basically the only character you're going to care about that came out of this, which is currently running around in the current Avengers story arc right now, is Starbrand. And Starbrand was killed by accident by Robbie Reyes, the current uh, Dodge Charger uh, Ghost Rider. And the Starbrand is now an infant baby. <laughs> All right. And you were talking earlier about the brood. The uh, Avengers actually had to go out in space to find this baby. The baby's mother dies in childbirth, giving birth to the new star brand. And they also have to deal with a brood-infected Thor. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Who's just like, I'm still worthy. I can still pick up the hammer. And he's got his giant brood hands around Mjolnir. And he's like lifting it. And, Thor- and Catherine goes, right, Thor, you're still worthy. You're always still worthy. Good brood, Thor. And Catherine America is the only one left in the Quinjet with the brood transforming Thor. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, Steve. <laughs> You know, Captain Marvel's left, She-Hulk is left, Iron Man's left. It's just Steve Rogers and a brood-infected Thor. (laughs) That's not too good. Uh, Great story, but that's where the star brand came from. We're so off topic, so... That's okay. Leo, you can edit this part out of the actual podcast. The live show is fine. Uh, I'm just... We don't need to go into the star brand for a Spider-Man show. <laughs> uh, uh, all the notes I have here for the return of the Sin Eater before we get to the actual ongoing series proper, one issue at a time. Okay, and uh, so what are we covering next week? We're going to cover the uh, two-parter involving the uh, uh, return of the Tarantula, but we're going to get into what that means when that happens. Uh, Captain America also makes an appearance. 
and uh, we get into South American politics. So hang tight, people. We don't cover American politics on the show. We cover 1988 South American politics. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be... I'm not even joking. That's very important to the Tarantula character. He's a South American, uh, like, Colombian uh, assassin kind of character. So it's uh, 137 and 138? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm just making a note. So we're going to do 137. Oh, 137. Okay. Sounds so everyone good. Everyone listening to the live show, come back for issue 137. You've listened to this on the podcast. The next issue will feature the return of the tarantula. We'll go into who the tarantula is real quick, what his first appearance is, and what happened to the original tarantula, which in on itself is a great story if you're currently playing the Miles Morales Spider-Man video game. The Roxxon Corporation is heavily involved with the uh, what happened to the original tarantula. Oh, I love the dog Very popular. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> That's okay. You know that played at the beginning of the podcast link that you, the audio clip that you sent me? Yeah. It's cut off and the dorkening is like, and then I had to edit the entire part out because it sounded so <laughs> bad. Uh, yeah. So what I do is while the ad's playing, I, uh, so I'm recording it locally. So I'm not sending you a digital copy. Uh, it's actually coming from the mixer. So you're getting a better, oh, okay. better copy of it. Uh, so that's when I stop the file and start the next file is when the ad's playing to make things a little bit easier for editing. Uh, but yeah. everybody does at a time of this will definitely make it a lot easier too. So I'm not sounding so manic trying to get through three issues at a time. No. You know, when we get to Inferno, that's, it's another thing that's like a big multi-story park. So that's easy to, you know, be much easier to break it down. Sounds good. So Chris, where do you like people following you? Uh, they can find me at ChrisDSAV on Twitter. My other comic book show is uh, Goth Girl Horror, the Hackslash podcast. This week's new episode coming up, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, last week's uh, brand new episode debuts this week, uh, the 19th. It is Bomb Queen versus Hackslash, and it is our most politically charged episode ever because Bomb Queen has several political satire comic books. So we get everything out there about how we feel about the inauguration, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and everything. So just warning everyone about that episode coming up. It's just because the comic book covers it, we bring it up. Okay. And uh, Rich, the Velvet Joker. Yep, yep. You can find me on Facebook as Rich Davis, um, or you can find me on Instagram, CTJoker2014. Okay. Uh, and for me, just Google Leo Pond, find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not going to say which is which. And with that, I want to thank everybody for watching and listening. We'll catch you guys later. Bye. Peace out. Have a good evening. Have a good evening.